The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Now, Exo-Ordinary Mind Facts. Did you know, your brain doesn't recharge if you use your phone on break? Using your phone on break during mentally challenging tasks, doesn't allow your brain to recharge effectively, and may result in poorer performance, according to new research. For the study, researchers assigned college undergraduates to solve challenging sets of word puzzles. Halfway through, some were allowed to take breaks using their cell phones. Others took breaks using paper or a computer while some took no break at all. The participants who took phone breaks experienced the highest levels of mental depletion, and were among the least capable of solving the puzzles afterwards. Their post-break efficiency and quickness was comparable to those with no break. Their number of word problems solved after the break was slightly better than those who took no break but worse than all other participants. Participants who took a break on their cell phone, took 19% longer to do the rest of the task, and solved 22% fewer problems than did those in the other break conditions combined. The act of reaching for your phone between tasks, or mid-task, is becoming more commonplace. Cell phones may have this effect because even just seeing your phone, activates thoughts of checking messages, connecting with people, access to ever-refilling information, and more, in ways that are different than how we use other screens like computers. And that was, Exo-Ordinary Mind Facts. Now, on to this week's Veritas interview. I'm Exo. Good night. Tonight's special guest has actually walked down the sacred corridors and hidden passageways where UFO studies took place when she worked in several crucial UFO investigatory agencies. Her exposure to these investigations allowed her to obtain real documents, not the usual informants, stories, and legends, including hidden studies showing that UFOs really exist, interviews with researchers taking photographs, obtaining documents, leaked information, informants, and much else. Her smoking gun revelations have already attracted much attention, including a possible new Roswell witness, accounts about possible memory metal and Elroy John Center, the Cordell Hall Report, and many others. Greetings from your host, Mel Fabregas. And if you're new to the Veritas family, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, just click on the subscribe button. And don't forget to visit the Veritas store for MMS, hemp oil, pure organic sulfur, and much more. And if you want to get in touch with me, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. Today's special guest is Dr. Irina Scott, who received her PhD from the University of Missouri College of Veterinary Medicine in Physiology, did postdoctoral research at Cornell University, and has had a professorship at St. Bonaventure University. Her MS was from the University of Nevada, her BS from Ohio State University in Astronomy and Biology, and she has done research and teaching at the Ohio State University College of Medicine. 
and the University of Nevada. The Defense Intelligence Agency, DIA, employed her in PhD level, GS-11. Research in satellite photography, including in its Air Order of Battle section, which involved aircraft identification with above-top-secret security clearances. She was employed in MS-level work as a physical scientist and cartographer in the DMA Aerospace Center using satellite photography. And she worked at the Battelle Memorial Institute. She has been sent for work-related purposes to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. And we have a more comprehensive bio on our website. Her website is arenascott.com. Dr. Arena Scott joins us directly from Central Ohio. Hello, Dr. Scott, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? I'm fine, and thank you for having me. My pleasure. May I call you Irina? Yes. Thank you very much. Well, UFOs might be the greatest mystery of this millennium. They may be the most talked about, but least understood of any modern phenomena. This book, what was your purpose of the book? And by the way, let me read the title. It's a long one, but folks, listen. Sacred Corridors, Secrets Behind the Real Project Blue Book, Wright Patterson Air Force, the AFT, Roswell, Battelle Memorial Medal, Dr. J. Allen Hynek, and UFO cover-ups. It's probably one of the longest UFO titles I've ever seen. Well, actually, it just goes by um, Sacred Corridors, and the rest is a subtitle. Sure. <laughs> now, why was the reason for you writing this book? I had um, experience actually working in places where UFO investigation was taking place, and I had the opportunity to talk to people and find out their opinion and look at their papers and see documents and that sort of thing. And so I had sort of an inside view of the research. Aside from what I read from your bio, the academics and so on, give us Uh a little bit of a background. What made you gravitate to this research? What made me gravitate is... Um, I had experiences with UFOs, and so scientists are supposed to be debunkers. But if I'm honest, well, I actually had experiences, so I'm not a debunker. And I'm, as a scientist, I'm really curious about the whole subject and how it, um, just everything about it, because it's so. Uh, hard to explain or impossible to explain, maybe I should say. I have to ask you this, even though it's not part of this book, I believe you covered this in in prior books. Your publisher, Philip, sent me another book today, which I started reading, but then I realized it was not the latest one. And it talks about your experience. Why don't you tell us of your experience so that we can have a better perspective? Okay. Um my experience started long before I ever heard of UFOs, and this was something that happened with my sister when we were really young kids. We had something in our bedroom, something flying around that we couldn't, we just didn't understand. Um, I woke up, and there was this thing flying around the bedroom. I thought my sister was asleep, so I didn't discuss it with her. But it looked like a piece of hot metal, and I'd never seen anything like it. And I think I was about six, and she was about four. Um, And 
we'd seen lightning bolts, I mean, lightning bugs and everything like that. But I had never seen anything like this. It looked like metal. It was on all the time. It didn't flash on and off. And it, after a while, I watched it, and it seemed to be controlled in a way. I mean, it would approach something, and then it turned before it got to it, which, you know, if you bat a ball and it goes toward a wall, it hits the wall. Well, this is different because it would go toward the wall, and then it would turn. And it flew around the room in sort of a random fashion, but it got close to both of us. And I was wondering what it was and thinking this isn't anything normal. It was dark, and it was also a clear night. And um, after a while, it flew up toward the ceiling, and it turned right before it ran into the ceiling and rent went along the ceiling and this was an attic room it was an old farmhouse and the two walls sloped up toward the ceiling there was about three feet between them well this thing flew along the ceiling and there was a chandelier it went right between the ceiling and the chandelier without feeling anything or bumping into anything then it began to circle the chandelier in just perfect circles I think it probably went 20 or 30 circles. It seemed to speed up a little bit. Then after a while, it began to make a spiral downward under just a real geometric spiral downward under the chandelier. And at that time, we both just became absolutely terrified. I didn't know she was seeing it. And I don't know. She apparently thought knew I was awake. But we both started shrieking and ran downstairs and fell downstairs. We were such a hurry to get out. And to our parents, who told us we were crazy and didn't believe us. But there were two of us. And so, and we hadn't been talking to each other. And so we both knew we were seeing something, and it wasn't our imagination. But this turned out different from a lot of cases because I never found any explanation until many years later when I read works by Jenny Randalls, a UK ufologist. And she talked about young kids having sightings of UFOs like in their bedroom and small UFOs. And that we sort of fit that pattern. She said that often when that happens, that the person sees UFOs later in life. Well, we had that experience when we were young, and then we had another experience when we were older. And so far as I know, we're the only two people that have had the young experience and the older experience together with the same person. So it was kind of unique. I have to mention this because what you describe, I have a case that I've been following for the last 10 years and I haven't uh -huh. been able to disclose or, or provide the, the images, the photographs that I have in my possession. And a lot of this sounds like what you experienced. So I wish I was next to you so I could show you these images so you could tell me if they look similar to what you saw. But you said that you found, or you, we have a conclusion as to what you saw. I'm very curious, based on what I've researched myself, what is your conclusion of what you saw? Those, uh, it looks like a piece of metal, orbs, blue. Uh, could it be red and orange? This just looked like burning metal, like if you see real hot iron. Right. 
pictures of when they're pouring molten iron or something. It looked that same color, and it just looked like metal. It wasn't very large, but it glowed, and there it, the glow around it was a little bit larger than the actual thing I saw. And what did you learn from the researcher from the U.K.? She included us in her next book. I think I forget its name. Um, Star Children was its name. Uh, and it apparently UFOs can come in different sizes. And sometimes children see small UFOs and see larger UFOs when they're larger and that sort of thing. So I thought it was just a small UFO after years and years and years. I had no idea what it could have been until I read her writings, which is many years after we'd seen it. But in terms of, obviously, was it a physical object? I thought it was, but it didn't, it didn't, it seemed to be guided. If it were a physical, you could tell if it bumped into something, if it was a right. physical object, but this didn't bump into anything. When it came to a wall or something, it would turn. It was like it was guided. Do you think that event had something to do with your research, the later, the latter research in life? Yes, because um, we had a real complicated sighting later. I gave a speech on it last month at the MUFON, the annual MUFON Symposium about one of the the other sighting we had together, which was a very complicated one, and years later. And can and you so, describe that? Can you summarize that sighting? Yes. Um, <clears throat> this was kind of a complicated sighting. My sister and I were living uh, in along the East Coast. She was at Drew University taking postgraduate work, and I was working for the Defense Intelligence Agency in Washington, D.C., And we decided to, the last thing on our minds were UFOs. We decided to take a vacation since we were both on the east side of the country. We decided to um, go out and see the New England states. And so I took some co-workers and drove from Washington, D.C. to Drew, which is um, basically in New York, very close to it, and picked her up. And we went on to, we were going to Boston But we got to Massachusetts, and it was still daylight. So we drove up into New Hampshire for a while and then came back and then began to look for a place to stay in Boston. Everything was filled up. And so we decided to um, leave Boston look along the Outer Belt. So we were leaving Boston, and there was an airport south of Boston. We could see the airplanes coming in and landing, and um, – They just look like regular airplanes. You could see their wing lights and the red and green lights and landing lights and things. Most of them seemed to be landing that we watched. And then there was this other light, and we couldn't figure out what it was. This one was just a solid, real whitish white color. It was blinking very slowly, not like a strobe light, and it was traveling south. And we began to discuss it, and my sister began to say, Maybe this is a UFO. And I was in science, so I thought, well, that couldn't be a UFO. And so I told her it was a helicopter blinking its landing lights off and on. And I'd never seen anything like it, and I'd never seen a helicopter blinking its landing lights off and on either. But 
I was being a debunker, and debunkers don't worry about facts and things and ufology. And so I told her that. At the time, it was in it was 1968, and people didn't talk about UFOs, but we both admitted to each other that we'd seen UFOs also. And I also mentioned that thing we saw that I just mentioned um, in our bedroom. We hadn't figured out what that was at that time. And so we continued uh, driving along and seeing this thing in front and arguing. Well, I got off the outer belt and I was going south on the uh, Route 95, which is the main freeway up and down along the coast. And there was a woods on the west side of the road. And we saw I saw this sphere. It was about basketball size. It was sort of transparent. It had a light in the center. And the light seemed to be going through a spectrum, like of all the shades of blue and then all shades of red, then all shades of blue again. And that was weird enough. We were also seeing this other thing. And um, then the inside of the car lit up in green. And I was totally confused. I couldn't figure out anything. It was like a few green Christmas tree lights were in the car. And I looked around all over the place looking for anything that was green because I couldn't figure out why the inside of the car was green. And so we continued and it went off. The greens went off for then after a while. And we were driving along and arguing again. And my sister started yelling at me to stop, 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 because she said the thing that we were, um, the big thing that we'd been watching was going to go over the freeway. And so I stopped and I pointed my hand out the window and I was going to say, see, dingbat, it's a helicopter. <laughs> what year was uh, this? It was 68. It was okay. July 13th, 1968. And I pointed my hand out the window and way off, I saw a falling star. And then right where I saw that, this thing came over the trees. And I realized that my sister was right and I was wrong. It was totally soundless. It had seven big windows. And we had seen a lot of blimps with lighted sides. We had a lot of experience with that. And I've taken a lot of pictures of them, too and videos of them. So I'm real familiar with blimps with lighted sides. And this had seven big square windows. And we discussed it. Are these windows or panels? And we both thought they were windows. Also, it had a little red light on the on one end and a little green light on the other that were just small and they weren't blinking. Nothing like airplane lights. And the seven windows were blinking in a sequence like the first three would blink on and off twice then all seven would blink on and off and then the the last four would blink it off and off and my sister kept saying they're sending a signal right like morse code yeah i kept wondering what on earth she was talking about and i never did understand it but she thought for some reason that that was some kind of a signal that she was supposed to understand and so anyway it was going over, and I had a. I was taking a picture with a regular camera, but I also had a Polaroid camera 
in the car with high speed film. And so this was just an amazing picture. I was working at the DIA in photo analysis. And so- thank you for listening. To unlock the full two hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.